Welcome to the Scottish Watches podcast. We have got a guest with us, a guest from Dubai Watch Week, but we're not in Dubai. And we told you that we had finished our roundup. We had, we didn't lie, we're not that type of podcast. There are other podcasts you can listen to in the watch game that lie to you all the time, but that's not us. But we have with us Marco from the Swiss Watch Gang. And Marco is not Swiss, so he's going to have to explain himself here in front of everybody, including the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, MI5, MI6 and Interpol. So how are you doing, Marco? I'm good, man. I'm very good. Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. We've been talking about this for for a long time, and it was great seeing you guys at Dubai. Actually, out of all places, we meet there. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm not Swiss. Uh, I think I'm gonna apply for the passport soon, so I, I will be soon Swiss watch gang. Uh, you know, literally. Um, but currently, I'm still a Slovenian, which is not a bad thing at all. So originally grew grew up there, lived there for twenty years, then moved to Switzerland. Um, but it's 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 quite of a quite a, quite of a story. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we will get into that. We also have with us, of course, the illustrious, untamable Dave Sharp. Oh, How are you, you doing? Said illustrious. I thought you were going to say luscious. I was more. I would no. more happy with luscious. <laughs> we don't lie in this podcast, Dave. Did you not get the memo I just said about a minute ago? <laughs> joy, joy. How are you? I'm fine. I am doing good. We only recorded last night, so not much. Well, actually, quite a lot has happened in your work, but we're not going to go into that. <laughs> no, let's not, let's not get into that. Let, let's not go into that. Dave had a bit of a disaster today, which could have jeopardised recording this show and many subsequent ones, but I think he'll be able to fix it because a man of his merits, expectations and repertoire of technical skills. And speaking of skills, when Marcus <laughs> was trying to set up his microphone... Because he needed to set up a microphone <laughs> to do a podcast today instead of videos. He's sitting there going, hey guys, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? And uh, we're, obviously we could hear him. He couldn't hear us. And he says, I go get my, get my technical advisor on the phone. Get this fixed. I'm like, okay. And he starts speaking in some weird tongue, whatever language it is you speak in. Sl- Slovenian. Slovenian. Slovenian, Slovenian Croatian, yes, Serbian. Yes, Slovenian, some, yeah. <laughs> some Russian mafia thing anyway. And me and Dave are like, this just sounds like that part in Taken where Liam Neeson's daughter gets grabbed from under the bed. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> but anyway, we might cut that into the show just so you can know what we're talking about. Wait, I can't hear you here. So I have input with this bad boy right. and output with you, this. So you have a small penis, is that what you're yeah. saying? <laughs> Wait, are you guys even uh, talking? Just with oh, me. man. So your mom was over last night. Wait. She says hi. Input. Um, it's, it's not working, David. Input, output. You what? stupid cunt. Yeah, yeah. So I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you wanted this. You clean audio. So, <laughs> Jesus. Let me talk now in Slovenian so you understand shit. Ampak ne dela mi ne slišam njih. We have your wife, we have your daughter. But I have a particular oh, set of skills and I will find you and I will kill you. Like you say, we met up over in Dubai, we'd been talking from before that and we'd mentioned you in the show many, many times because some of your videos, especially like your close-up ones that get loads and loads of views, we were shouting that out all the time because you were showing up some watch brands that really probably didn't like being shown up on YouTube for their quality control measures. But we should probably start, as we mean to go on, with a wrist check so Ms. L can drop pictures in the show notes so you guys can play along at home. It's an audio podcast, but if you click the link at the top of the show notes in your podcast play, 
player, you can see the images, the photos, and read along with Mother at home. So you're the guest honor, Marco. You can tell us today what is on the wrist. So today I'm wearing the Holton Rich Ornament 1. It's a collaboration piece with The Rake. It's a 3D made case with a Urushi dial, so Japanese lacquer. The case is made of stainless steel, polished, and also has this like, he likes to call it beton brut, like a concrete style on the side. And an open case pack with a Pissier 7001 hand polished, bead blasted, and uh, with nice beveling. Um, I did a video with him, Michael Honoltinrich, a Dutch watchmaker and architect. I love these watches since the first time I saw them, and I always wanted to have one. And this is the uh, collaboration piece with the magazine The Rake, which has like nice applied Breguet numerals, which I really liked. So it looks classical, but if you know, you know, you know. So this is this is what my channel is about, basically showing watches, which often surprise people like, oh, I didn't know this even existed. So this is one of the watches I love to wear a lot. It's super comfortable and slim and still has this independent spirit, although it looks very classical. Cool, right, that's your <laughs> wrist check done. Dave likes to come second as always. I do. I didn't ask you to marry me to ask you what's on the wrist. <laughs> I was waiting for the magic question. You disappointed me. What am I wearing today? I am continuing my little, uh, my Seiko phase and finding little treasures and unusual pieces that I have in a box of bits. And this is a slightly unusual little thing, which is uh, a Seiko, uh, well, made by Seiko, but it's for Caban de Zucca, who are a kind of fashion brand that did this. And these are Seiko pieces and they're called the Happy Eye. This is one with a very bright is that Japanese? Band. That's a good question. I'm not sure whether the fashion brand are Japanese or whether they're Italian, but um, th these are pieces. It's called that the Eye. Done. It's called Happy Eye. <laughs> Happy Eye. Okay. Let's, let's, let's really, really, let's not go there with that. We, we well, joke. Let's, let's I not do that. Yeah, you didn't need to. You didn't need to say. You didn't need to say anything. Hell. So this is the. It's a little bit interesting. It's uh, uh, here we go. It's got. It's blood. Uh -huh. Time of the day. Yeah. It's got a day function. It's, it's got a date function. It's got a running seconds. And it's a wee bit different. So that is what I am wearing today. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. Always lasts. Never the one. Never the bride. Always a bridesmaid. So what have you got strapped to your delicate wrist? Today, because I knew we had, well, I don't know. This guy, he sounds like a Bond villain, doesn't he? We've moved from Liam Neeson action movies across to Bond, and it, with that kind of accent on the show, there was only going to be one. I am wearing the Casio Royale, the Casio World Time, the square guy on a shark mesh Milanese style bracelet. In the shape of my body. Uh, yeah, it will be the shape of the box that your body will be in by the end of this show. Keep that up. But uh, no, this is a firm favourite. Jodie, just one more watch, was talking about it many years ago and I picked it up for a super inexpensive price. It's in the watch box, never gets worn. So I thought today, in your honour, Marco, I would wear it. So there we go. Cancel thank you, Royale. thank you. I, I feel very special now. <laughs> Indeed. We're just scared of you and wait till you hear what we said about you in the episode that goes out just before this one. Right, that's us. So we've done the wrist check. Our show note master maestro, Mizzell, will be chuffed to bits. He will have all the pictures of these watches for you to check out and play along at home. So, Marco, tell us about it. How did you get into this game? How did you end up in watches? Because... You're not Swiss yet. How did it all start? Did it start before the move or did it start back in the homeland? 
I mean, uh, I'm here since 10 years now in Zurich, but basically my love for watches started actually when I started going to university in Slovenia. So I was uh, 20 years in Slovenia. I was basically, you know, finished high school. I went to the university that I always wanted. I wanted to be a translator. So in English, German and Slovenian. But then when I started university, I was really bored because the, the topics were very dry. I didn't, I started hating languages actually. And my wish was always to learn uh, Chinese and also Russian additionally to what I speak already, just because it's a challenge and I, I like languages, that's it. And it's also always like fun to surprise people when you speak the language, you know, they get kind of like uh, thrown off, like, oh, damn you. It's like when Dave speaks English, I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Although you, you, say, you say that, Marco, and that's, that's absolutely true. One of the funniest things in my memories from my working life was when a colleague of mine who was South African, obviously spoke uh, great English, also spoke Afrikaans, but was fluent also in French. We were at a business meeting with a French company who, the French being the French, basically assumed that no one speaks French particularly well other than the French, then decided live in the meeting to start speaking to each other in French, basically calling us a bunch of idiots to do this, to do that, etc, etc. And my colleague didn't say a single word, waited to the very end of the meeting, heard every single word they said, and then in fluent French just pronounced to say, well, thank you very much. That was a very insightful meeting and walked out and you just watched their faces drop as it dawned on them that we understood wow. every single word they said, which was just marvellous. And what sort of things were they saying? This was like in a negotiation over stock allocations and where stuff would go and they were basically going, yeah, 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 just tell them the crazy English, just tell them anything, it'll be fine. Tell them we've only got 20. I know we've got 100. Tell them we've only got 20. That'll be fine. They'll never know any better. And he nice. sat there going, mm -hmm, <laughs> writing notes down and it was brilliant. Nothing was said other than this has been very insightful in fluent French and then let's go and off we went and it, it was brilliant just watching them go, oh crap. Damn, smart. See, it's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a big advantage. Vintage, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that, definitely. So what was the first watch then that you got? Was it as a kid? <laughs> oh, the, the first watch I, I, I saw is uh, like a vintage watch from my grandma, you know, in Slovenia. So she showed me the movement and I fell in love with the mechanics and I started doing research on the watches. And I then I just basically fell deep in the rabbit hole, right? I dropped out of university, um, worked for five, six months, saved up uh, 1,200 euros and moved to Zurich, Switzerland because I wanted to study uh, watchmaking at Vostep in Neuchatel in uh, you know um, that was the uh, initial idea then it changed because I'm not this uh, I'm not, I, I am a technical guy but I wouldn't I would never excel at uh, watchmaking I'm more of a you know talkative guy I like marketing I love meeting people networking building companies this is my passion more than uh, you know being in a room figuring out why this pivot isn't working or whatever but the first mechanical watch I bought uh, was uh, Omega Seamaster from the 70s I still have it I showed it in one of my videos uh, that was the first one i bought it for 200 euros i came to zurich i put it to service and i paid 1000 swiss francs for the servicing for me it was worth it because it's a really a emotional piece you know not an investment for sure um, but that's the watch that basically started it all and then you know the curiosity spiraled and I just worked on myself, the business. Uh, I was a waiter in a restaurant for five years. And on the side, I was reading books, you know, trying to become a better person and more, more skilled as a, as a businessman and everything, you know. Develop this mentality of uh, you can be an entrepreneur, you know, coming from nothing, basically, financially. 
and yeah, from mafia, you know, it's a different level. <laughs> you, you guys are taking over with your ransomware. No, it's a great story, <laughs> and I understand what you mean. I was into technology and computing from a very early age. I got a proper computer back when I was about 11, I think, just started high school, and got into assembly language programming. Was very good on the software and the thinking side of it. Hardware-wise, not so good, and it always fascinated me, watching people, as I got into cars, being able to take an engine apart, and remember where the collets and the levers and the rockers and all these parts went inside, because I could never put it back together again. But I could understand how it all worked. I think that's quite similar with you. And again, with the entrepreneurial streak, I listened to a lot of like, Tim Ferriss podcasts. I've listened to Gary Vaynerchuk yeah, stuff. I have all the books. All the books, all the books. <laughs> all uh, books. And there's tons out there at the moment. I'm going through, I think his name's Robert Cialdini. Okay. Influence, and yes, I've heard them before, but they're fantastic about explaining how the human psyche works, how to work with people instead of against them, and also to spot when someone's trying to pull the wool over your eyes, especially in business. Oh, it's important. It's it's something you never learn, you know. You have to learn it like additionally. Yeah, they don't teach I these mean, things at school. That's the thing. Yeah. They, I, I keep seeing memes that are so relevant that says, "Okay, I can figure out how to get the square root of this, that, and the other, or work out cosine and tans of blah blah blah." But how do I get a mortgage and how to pay tax? You know, the exactly. things that kind of are important in life. I was going to say it's absolutely true. You know, like um, there's so many people come out of business school, let's call it that. You know, and they think, okay, I know everything. I'm, I'm prepared for the world. And yeah, there is certain kind of core competencies, I suppose, that you need to learn. But being taught them or reading about them and learning yourself, mm, I argue, if there's much difference. I think the big difference is you can never account for the stupidity of other people or the irrationality of other people, and that's the thing that people just can't teach you. You know, I'm pretty sure negotiating with Elon Musk isn't going to be in any textbook that they teach you in university for example you know you just have yeah, to accept no, for sure this, this this guy's mental mad and a genius at the same time and you don't know what you're going to get from day to day but you know he's been successful in, you know, in spite of probably all the rules that were ever written about business so yeah I think as you say the way you did it just in at the deep end learn and you'll either take it or you won't yeah like you said with uh, Tim Ferriss and everything you have to learn you know like in the first five years when I was in Switzerland and I, I was a waiter by choice because I had I was working physically but mentally I was completely free so on the side my best year I read uh, one book a, a week so at home I have a hundred books just and all of them are like uh, about development basically you know because uh, I read once that you, you know if you read books on successful people like Tim Ferriss and everybody else now I'm, I'm reading currently the uh, Ray Dalio book about principles um, and Dale Carnegie is a great one of course a classic uh, Jim, Jim Ron, you know Zig Ziglar all of these people give us some names of the books as well as the authors because you mentioned uh, that was making friends and influencing people was one of them there probably I mean definitely for me if you want to start in this space and developing your mind in this direction definitely how to you know, make friends and uh, influence people by uh, Dale Carnegie I would say all the books on Dale Carnegie are classics I also like the Paolo Coelho book The Alchemist it's basically you know again a very important book for the beginning if you want to do marketing I definitely would advise uh, Gary Vaynerchuk book uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook. I've got Crush It and Crushing It, but I haven't got that one yet. Yeah, I mean, all the first three or four books of him are good. Everything else is just uh, became repetitive, basically. Yeah, uh, You know, it's the same jibber jabber all over again. But uh, the first two, three books were the best ones. Also, uh, Ego is the Enemy. 
is uh, is a great book uh, because when you work in our space particularly, and I've done this many times, I have to step down from my ego and just be, you know, kind, polite. Um, like I've dealt with some big influencers, let's say, and I just had to be, I, I, I put myself into place basically back and just put my ego aside, you know, and do let them do them and that's it. Um, so those are some really crucial books, I think. Tony Robbins, of course. On audio part, I would say Jim Ron, Zig Zig, um, what ones with Tony Robbins, Giant Within, or yes, the Giant Within for sure. Again, everything on Tony Robbins is is great. The the old stuff, the new stuff. Again, like 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 with Gary Vaynerchuk, it just it just repeats, man. That's it. You've heard it, you know, back then. Or like Et, the hip hop preacher, used to be good on YouTube. Like, there's a lot of good things. So I, I used to do a combination of podcasts, books, and everything, just to consume as much as I can. Yeah, they say that you are the average of the five people that you yes. communicate with the most, and the way that I yeah. process that is if I'm working at home in the office in the studio and there's no one else here I'd rather have an <laughs> audiobook or a podcast from someone that's yeah. clever that's on the same wavelength therefore I'm kind of attuning myself and aligning myself with their thought process exactly those books some of them are fantastic some I haven't heard of Mizia will do his best to scribe down exactly what you said there and we'll try and get some links as well to them yeah. because um, over here in the UK one of the first books I listened to on it was actually on Kindle I used the text to speech converter so I could listen headphones as I was working and it was Alan Sugar Lord Sugar from The Apprentice it was one of his first books I can't remember the name of it and it was really good it told you his story from being the guy selling aerials from the back of his van and then you know he got this plastic moulding machine and then he did this and then he did that same with Richard Branson I've listened to quite a few yeah. of his audiobooks, you know, starting again, selling records out the back of a van back in his school days. Um, just fantastic. And it's always good to hear how other people got their start in life when it wasn't they got $1 billion from their mum or dad. And you can also learn uh, from their mistakes, you know. it's I say a book is always like a shortcut. Yeah. Like nowadays, because when you read a lot of books, you know, people are often complaining, ah, oh, but the whole book is useless. And I'm, I always say, listen, if you read 100 pages, once, small sentence can change your life so yeah. I always go through the whole book because you never know where this one little nugget will be 100% Dave I don't know if you've read any of these types of things or if you think it's all yeah, shite no it's definitely not all shite but I think it's, it's interesting a few points you've made there which is you know ego ego is the downfall of many a person and the downfall of many a business I'll stop you Dave because I, I forgot that point our podcast could be extremely egotistical but we jump on with crazy watches like what you're wearing and what I'm wearing today and I think that is the key to being able to speak to so many people because we leave our egos at the door especially you because you've got a fantastic collection but you love all watches yeah I think the thing is you know you have to accept everybody everyone has an ego everyone has one and it's about managing your ego as much as anything and you know sadly even most of these very successful people the sad fact of reality is they all come with a pretty heavy dose of narcissism and ego as well generally there's very few that don't um, and there's even less that are capable of effectively managing it to the point where you don't watch them on television or listen to them and just think yeah they've they've just uh, they've got lost in their own bullshit basically um you know i think that's that's a big thing a lot of these people that write the books i think i'm always wary because if it gets to the stage where they're writing a book to say look at me i'm really successful and this is how i did it why are they doing that you know what narratives does that come with but in every business i've ever 
work with, the best people in those businesses have been those people that generally sit one level below the directorial board because the directorial board generally is full of egos that love to look at me, look at me, look at me. And it's that one tier below them that actually generally run the businesses. And if that level's good, then generally the business is pretty solid. So yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, but I think you're right. Um, there's so many ways to succeed. Um, you know, um, it depends where you take your kind of, um, it depends where you take your prompts from, I think is possibly the best way to look at it. And actually making sure that you don't just repeat verbatim and you actually modify that to suit your circumstance and your, you know, your kind of role in terms of what you're trying to achieve. So you just shout on what we like. Okay. No, not at all. You know, everyone's, every, 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 everyone's different. I just, I just have a slightly different viewpoint to it, you know, in terms of, you know, I can all, I can absolutely appreciate what other people achieve. Um, but I'm always wary about people that want to shout loud about what they did. Yeah, I get it. And I agree with you. Autobiographies where it's look at me, look how amazing I am. Uh, perhaps recent presidents in America would fall into that category. But folks like Sugar, who I'm not his biggest fan at all, but he done well and to chart sure. his procession and, and he doesn't make any bones about it about how tough it was back in the day especially when he got into Amstrad building computers buying over Sinclair and then he talks about his downfalls in that book and that was getting involved in football and how he took his passion for soccer married it with business and it was the worst period in his life from all sides because he got attacked by fans that were so passionate about their dream which was football some of them yes 100% agree but some of these other books you do get the good and the bad and they can be a little bit humble along the way but anyway we're not here to talk about self-help and developmental issues <laughs> that's for somebody else that's for Tim Ferriss's podcast how did things sort of progress from you know wanting to become more into this thing saving up money getting your first watch then away for service how did things move forward so while I was reading all these books and developing my mind, I basically were always like f searching for, okay, I love watches. And my uncle gave me like a good like life direction. He said, and I think that's a good rule for everybody. If you had all the money in the world, what is something that you would do in your free time with love and every day, you know? So I said, okay, I want to work with watches. And then I'm, because I have no education in the watch space or in the sales space or nothing, I basically finished high school. Um, um, and not a high school where you have a profession, you know, just like the the, 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 the study high school. I basically said, I want to work with watches and that's it, you know. So I was searching for a way how to get into that space. So I started learning about marketing and I also started learning about photography. And then I just decided one day to go to Baselworld. So a few days before I bought my first Canon, went to Baselworld, met with a lot of independent watch brands because I couldn't get any meetings with the big boys, uh, which at the end was great actually. Um, and I started shooting watches at Basel. Basically, 90% of the photos looked like shit at the end. And then because I was at Independence all the time, I, I met so many cool people, you know, like some of the friends I still have today. And I asked them, hey, how do you make photos? How, what do you use? And then I bought a flash, you know. My first photos were without flash. So imagine, and also with auto focus and everything. So imagine going to Roman Gautier, you know, shooting five, six watches. You come out, every, every picture looks like shit. You're like, oh, damn, I just, I just wasted this guy's time, you know. Um, and I did, but I didn't repeat the mistake afterwards. I asked many people how to shoot, how to help me. Um, I love to also help other people if they have a you know a question with anything. I like to give the love back which I got at the beginning, basically uh, supporting the community in, in you know every way. 
Um, and then I started Swiss Watch Gang, you know, started uh, marketing basically my Instagram. And I was trying to build up a community in Zurich. And I went to all the retailers in Zurich, Bahnhofstrasse, which is, you know, the, the street we have for all the watch shopping. And I was asking people if I can work in their shops. But ah. because I have no degree, I, they couldn't employ me, you know. They were like, and you can't show passion on paper. So I told them, like, literally ask me about any watch. I know about everything, even independence. Just just ask me, you know, give me a chance. And they wouldn't because Switzerland is very, um, the schooling system is good. So if you don't have paper, and, and, and my German is also fluent. It's even better than my English, which is uh, probably a surprise. You know, my German is much better. My, my German sounds like from, from television because I learned it when I was a kid. Can you say for us, Please buy my book. Yeah, also, bitte kauf mein Buch. Perfect. That will come in useful in the future. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so basically, uh, I was I was shooting a few watches at uh, Les Ambassadors, like a local store. And then I posted on my channel and a, another retailer saw my photos online. And it was Bayer Chronometry in Zurich, you know, the oldest uh, retail shop in the world who has the also Patek Philippe boutique next door. And they were like, oh, you, you're in Zurich. You can also come by us and take a few photos. And I was like, ah, but you don't have an independence. Uh, I mean, at the time they had like, uh, I mean, independence that I like, you know, at the time. Patek and Rolex are independent, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, but I went there and I shot Breguet and Lang and Zuna watches. And I'm like, oh, nice. You know, they have a sidewerk, whatever. Um, double tourbillon Breguet. I was like, yeah. Um, and then I just liked the chemistry of the marketing guy at the time. And I, uh, I was again reading a book and I also took an online course at that time about how to start a business. And in the course, uh, the guy said, don't be afraid to offer your services. So I basically told Bayer, I'm like, hey guys, like, let me make you an offer for three months. I'm going to run, run your social media account and make photos. At the time, the account had like 700 followers. They were completely lost with what to do, right? And the guy said, well, you have 15,000 uh, followers on, on Instagram. We have 700. Yes, make me an offer. And my offer was basically so low that I just covered my lively, lively expenses, you know? And my goal was to be, to be free. That's it. So I limited the contract to three months. And next day, when, as soon as Bayer signed the contract, I remember he was laughing at me, Mr. Bayer, because he's like, like and, and at that time, I was on a, um, a smoothie diet. And he was like, no wonder you, uh, you are on a diet if you charge this little, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, next time I'm going to raise this shit, you know? It's, it's yeah. too, too, too cheap, you know? But again, for me, somebody coming from nothing, it was like, oh, they will pay me uh, 2,500 per month. I'm going to be 100% free. So I, I quit my job. And again, we have three months, like three months quitting time here, like a um, period. So the day Bayer expired, my job expired. So Bayer continued the contact, of course. I raised my price and then it was a snowball effect. So in the first year of being independent, also what you learn with reading all these books, I set a goal of reaching 100,000 in revenue. In my first year, I only uh, missed by 6K because I always say when you are free completely, the universe opens up the doors and it accepts you. Let's Let's say and it says okay you you showed me you want to do this let me help you out a bit i'm getting goosebumps goosebumps that i tell this story because again i relive it often and sitting now in my office it's you know you see the progress it's fun so this was 2016 still or 2017 forward buyer signed december 16 i uh, i was uh, independent fully uh, mid february 17 right so fully independent my own company and then it you know just grew that's it it's a uh, like i say you don't need 
money for my industry, like marketing. You need time. That's it. Yeah. And knowledge, books, being nice to people actually helps. So effectively, you know, as you're saying, uh, you know, for people out there that are thinking, you know, if you've got that skill set, that mindset, it's not something that you have to have, you know, as long as you've got contact and as long as you've got the kind of attitude and the work ethic, it's something that most people, if they've got the right kind of aptitude and skill set, can get themselves into if they do it properly. Yeah. And networking, connecting with people, being nice, offering help. You know, I, I, I did so many people owe me something because I helped them out, but I don't do it as a, as a, of a, as a mindset of, oh, I'm going to get you back later. No, I just, I learned in the books. If you want to get something, you have to give first. That's it. That's it. That's why the book uh, from Wayne is good. Jab, 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 right hook. Basically, it's a give, give, give and take. I'm going to have to go and get that one next. As I said earlier, our ego has never got in the way. And we are more than happy in the show that just went out there. It was Batavi that we spoke about. Small micro brand from the Netherlands. But we'll also speak about the latest Patek, the latest Rolex. And it's just, it's always cool to think and speak to new people about different things. And long may that continue. So since then, how have things been? How's the the meteoric rise from zero subscribers to 15,000 followers to where you are today? How's that come about? Um, A lot of hard work and also like... You learn with these books and also with your friends how to hack social media, let's say. So there's a few books on growth hacking, which means just, you know, you see trends online and just mimic them basically, you know, it's not a rocket science. Like back then, of course, I would say Instagram was much easier to to grow. And because I, you have to think that for Swiss Watch Gang, before I started YouTube, I never showed Omega, Tag Heuer, Rolex, Patek, nothing. I only showed independent watch prints. So my account from the beginning was more unique because it showed like Anderson Genève, Rudy Silva, Manufacture Royale, uh, like brands you were like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, MCT, Maitre du Tomp, like crazy stuff. And because these watches are very crazy looking, they got a lot of likes, right? Um, and back then we also posted much more. I post, I think, twice a day back then. Um, and sometimes uh, we, we got like 10,000 uh, like, like new followers in a, in a week. Plus back then we had like these, like um, we call them, I think like um, messaging groups. So let's say 10 big accounts or 20, whatever the, the cap was, would be together on Instagram. So every time somebody posted a photo, you put it in the, in the, in the DM and everybody of us would comment on it. And because we all commented on the same things, a percentage of our followers saw it, and then we grew like each other like immensely. Today, it's not possible anymore, I think. Um, like my account now, I say sometimes I would love to start from zero because people go on, oh, they see a lot of subscribers or followers on, on Instagram, but the ratio is like, oh, I have more views on my you know small account. And I'm like, yeah, you have this probably, but when something spikes on my account, it goes exponentially higher, you know? Let's say the average is low, but once it goes, let's say viral or whatever, it can go really to the roof. Um, so that's Instagram. But YouTube, we started uh, August 2019 from zero. And that was also, that, that's a much bigger challenge from all platforms I know, I, I was, I did. YouTube is the most difficult, especially when you do it, I think in this high quality that we do, um, because I never wanted to start YouTube until I had the right team in place. Because my photography on Instagram is all done by me and it's usually very clean and uh, I really, you know, clean the watches, the colors have to be like they are. I don't post something if I don't like it. 
and YouTube is the same, but with with video is much more difficult. Like I can chuck out a photo like in 10 minutes max, um, but the video just takes days, you know, and, and more people and more skills. 100%. Um, if people think doing video is easy, it ain't. You can cover up so much in a picture. You can go in and you can Photoshop a dial. You can take reflections and shadows, use multiple exposures, focus rack, all kinds of stuff. Video, it's one and done. Because unless you know how to do VFX, you're not going to be able to take the dust and the fingerprint off the dial. It's it's very, very different. That's why we used to put one video a week out, maybe a year ago, two years ago. And then the podcast just took over because the, the types of get like me and you were speaking just now, but we've been working on getting this together, getting Dave's diary aligned with mine, aligned with yours, the technology set up and finding a time we could all do that. Back in the day, dead easy. Nowadays, not so much. But it is something I'm fingers crossed going to get back into because I do enjoy it. And like you said, said you know giving a little bit of the spotlight to brands that people maybe haven't heard of before it's not all rolex and omega and things like that since day one we've been working with pietro at the limited edition yes, he's introduced great, great me guy. he's fantastic and he's introduced me to so many different brands to get to see the watches in the metal linda verdlin i've had joker watches through dave's got one he got it from pietro and all these other little brands and bigger brands like hyt and it's showcasing the mad the crazy the unusual and the stuff that you don't see in people's windows that's what it's all about for me for my channel that's the goal like uh people know my channel for being the, the channel where you see watches you don't know so when i sometimes post a rolex people get upset because i used up my slot of the week for a rolex and they're like yeah we've seen it like 10 times this week already like we are here for you to show you know watches which um which we don't know so in 150 videos so far we covered and also my goal is always to if i cover a brand i need to have it physically in my hand you know i i, I could have covered more brands with just audio or like pictures but no we had very rare brands on the channel um next week we have a brand we haven't had yet peter mambedat uh two young guys um and the next two reviews will be brands one from japan super high-end and one from germany christian klings because uh my friend mark cho was here from the armory in uh, in zurich and i was lucky i basically begged them i'm like hey can you please lend me these watches for like four hours i'll shoot both of them i'm i'm gonna be careful so we'll have like brands on which people just don't know and that's my 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 wish my my love as well and uh, that's it we do of course also big brands because it helps the youtube channel to grow um at the end of the day is also a business right but we always cover stuff we like and also i like to cover hublot because i like hublot and most people don't like it but they privately tell me listen i actually like the brand but i just online don't say it i'm like yeah well just stop being a coward you know <laughs> well me and no, dave absolutely. liked it dave you can tell this little story yeah no absolutely i think that's that's a good point you know it's not a brand for, for me for example it's not a brand that intuitively is one i would default to and think oh yeah they make lots of stuff i like but to be fair we've you know dubai watch week was an example we found a piece that i actually really liked and actually ricky really liked as well and of all the watches can you guess what it is dubai, <laughs> Uh, from from Hublot, yeah, mm -hmm. maybe the one I like, but maybe not. I like a uh, Orlinsky Hublot titanium. No, no, it was the concrete one. Ah, damn, yeah, nice, nice. I haven't seen it in person. Yeah, and that's was, why I'm wearing was... this top because it looks like it's made of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that was a watch that both that we we both kind of glimpsed and saw and thought well, that's interesting and had a look at it yeah. and had a chat with the guys at Hublot about it and you know we, we we had a good look at the watch in person and thought this is really interesting. We we like this and I like it. But the more I think about it. The there's lots of brands that you know I profess to like 
And lots of people say, oh, that's my brand. But the reality is, you know, let's take Omega, for example. You know, I, I like Omega. I like Seamasters. I like Speedmasters. But they also produce an awful lot of stuff that has absolutely no interest to me. But I don't say, oh, I don't like Omega. I, I say, oh, I love Omega. Well, what actually I love is certain things that Omega make. Yeah. And it just so happens that within Oblo, I don't like a lot of the stuff they make, but they do make some stuff I like. That shouldn't be any different. So why would you say, oh, I don't like that brand, you know? But, you know, this is the watch world and folk love to hate on certain brands for no other reason than they feel that they have to have somebody to hate on, which is, you know, pretty sad really at the end of the day. Yeah, it's so social pressure, you know, like be, I would say sometimes in, uh, I don't want to be uh, be rude, but it's all often sheep mentality, you know? Like I like, I hate Hublot, you hate Hublot, let's hate Hublot. And I'm like, guys, like, no, it's a nice brand. Of course, you don't have to like everything, but there's also brands which people just glorify. And I'm like, yeah, I, does nothing for me you know or models it's something that popped up in my vision maybe six months ago was the hublot echo chamber on youtube where all the youtubers your paul thorpe's nico at pride and pinion started speaking about hublot and it was why do people hate hublot should i hate hublot i think i will and some of them just jumped on that bandwagon because it was hip and it was trendy and you yes. would get either people attacking you in the comments or agreeing with you and youtube likes it better if you dislike something of course because there's comments there's interactions yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's engagement that's what it's all about that's what the algorithms look for and yeah. instagram comments as well people get more riled up and passionate about things they dislike rather than things they like and that plays into day-to-day -day life that's why the news is filled with bad things if it was filled with somebody won the lottery and somebody did this and this was amazing and that was great and it was a really nice sunny day versus catastrophes bombs going off famines horrible mm. horrible things it doesn't get the same view and the Ublo thing is no, a perfect sure. example. Same thing, yeah. You can bring it down to a much more base level, which is people love to complain, but they rarely mm -hmm. like to actually praise. You know, how many times, how many businesses get regular complaints? You didn't do this, you didn't do that, you did this badly, you did this was terrible. How many people actually, how many people actually genuinely say, that was a great interaction, thanks very much, that was brilliant? You know, yes, absolutely some people do that, but most folk, the ratio of, you know, good transactions to bad, generally 90 plus percent transactions will be absolutely fine and 10% will be bad but of your complaints nearly all of them will be about the bad not about the good and I think it's you know it just it's human nature sadly why can't we be different and then when some people try to be positive let's be nice let's be positive people just kind of lambast them for being you know, you know oh yes you're you're all too soft you're too liberal you're too this you're too that it's pretty sad really but hey that's and sadly the way the world works it's fun to support it back like when I did a video on, on Hublot people were like oh nice somebody who actually likes it and is not like shy about it and there's the the the, the top comment on hublot videos is always uh, the screws are not aligned like on ap so i was so fed up i made a whole video about that topic basically mm -hmm. i called it like a watchmaker's master course and i explained why ap has aligned screws and hublot hasn't because they're not screws yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> they sit in holes yeah but you would be one like surprised how many people don't know that like many people on the video were like oh i i didn't know and i'm like well how do you like turn a uh, octagonal or hexagonal in school you can't it, it doesn't move yeah that, that it's <laughs> you know you, you say that i remember having an actual an actual conversation in person with somebody who had the said watch and he was very proudly showing me how look they even make sure all the screws line up and i was like can you can you explain how a hexagonal screw in a hexagonal hole turns <laughs> <laughs> and you can yeah. literally watch the penny slowly drop just tell him like look at the back it's all un unaligned yeah and suddenly it was like mm. and then i said 
let's get a loop out and have a look at the movement. Oh, look, lots of those screws in the movement don't line up. I wonder why that is, you know, and <laughs> you can just watch the penny drop, but hey, you know, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. No, it's a shame. And there's the good and there's the bad online. I remember a couple of years ago in the UK, the host of Love Island took her own life and there was the message going around, be kind. That was a hashtag. And for a small amount of time, people did. But then again, in the last couple of weeks here in the UK, uh, one of the contestants from Love Island, Molly May, did a podcast. She's a young female, age 22, has done very, very well compared to everybody else. The probably hundreds plus other contestants that have been in that show. And she got dragged across the coals by everybody because she made some comments that, taken slightly out of context on their own, didn't sound superb. And people were holding her to this high level and gave her all kinds of crap about it. So people just love to jump on, pile on and give a good kicking to someone when they're down. But we're not all about that. We're about the good stuff. And one of your good videos, probably one of the most recent videos at the time of recording, was with somebody that's into fast cars. Do you want to give us the lowdown on that video and how that came about? We uh, we basically made a fantastic video with uh, Alex from Supercar Blondie. Um, and again, it's all about reading the books and being a kind person. I, I basically shot her an email on the website. So my, my, my rule is if you want to reach a big influencers or personalities, send them an email, don't DM them don't on DM. Instagram because then they, uh, they won't reply. Um, so I basically, I send the email. I'm like, hey, I'm a big fan of you since you know many years. I watched the videos that I think they're fun. I've seen you like watches as well. I, I, I knew she had like Frank Miller and Richard Mill and a Rolex, but that's, that's it. I didn't know she had that many watches. And her husband replied. He's also her manager, Nick. So then basically, um, he's from Bern, Switzerland. So he's Swiss ah. and I'm Swiss watch gang and I'm from Zurich, you know, I'm a incognito Swiss, you know. <laughs> and uh, basically he said, yeah, listen, uh, if you're in Dubai and you have time and we have time, let's do something, you know. And then also one of the brands we work with, uh, like B2B on our uh, agency side, uh, owed me a favor and I, I know like they know him. And I just uh, told them, hey, like for my favor, can you just tell Nick, I'm going to basically send them an email. Just tell them I'm a good guy, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, I didn't like ask or beg for anything. Um, and then they also did that. So I think everything helped. Uh, but it was a lot of communication. But in that also instance, I had to put my ego down because communicating with like this level of influencer is... Um, Sometimes people, it can people, it can rub people the wrong way, the way they communicate because it's very, you know, sharp, short sentences. In person, they both were amazing. You know, once you're there, it's it's amazing. We were scheduled to do just two hours of video because I told them whatever time you have, I'm gonna take the slot. You know, because I know you're super busy. Um, and we ended up being there for like five, six hours at the end. You know, um, so we did our video and then we did the the B-roll of the watches, of course, because she had much more than we anticipated. I was counting on five, but she had like I think 15 or something. Um, and after you're we finished uh, in her beautiful, you know, headquarters in Dubai on the Palm, uh, she said, uh, "I'm also gonna do a video now for my channel because I have all the watches here." So me and my team, me and me and my team said, "Okay, listen, we you know we'll be on the side, you know." You know, we won't bother you, whatever. And she said, like, no, no, I want to be with you. I want you to be in my video. I was, I was like, holy shit, because uh, she's got a big reach, you know. That's, uh, but again, I didn't ask for it, right? I was like, okay, I, I, I got my video. I was happy and content, and that's it. I even told them you can use my bureau, so if you see her video, you see all my shots in it, you know, as a, like a gesture of you know help and uh, appreciation, basically. Uh, so then we did that video, and this came out. Um, 
uh, three days after mine. So, I mean, the channel has seen a big bump since then. In the last seven days, it grew like 2.5 thousand subscribers, which is um, a lot. It's a 5% increase, but because of one video. Um, but also it was fun and many people saw it, which like my 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 family member in Slovenia wrote me because he likes cars. He's like, damn, you're, you're, you know her, you were with her in the video. And he doesn't watch my videos. You know, it was, it was fun how it went into all directions and, you know, industries. Um, but yeah, du Dubai was fun, man. We did a lot of videos there. In total, three collector interviews. And for Dubai Watch Week, we did like 27 videos in total, all published by the end of the Dubai Watch Week. So we, yeah, a lot. You killed it, man. You absolutely yeah. killed it. You were the hardest working team. And there is a team because it's not just you. You have the guy that's videoing. You've got sound. You've got everybody that helps with you as well. Yeah. We were three people in total, yeah. I thought we did well because we, we counted when we got back and it was 12 audio interviews for the podcast. And that was easy. Yeah. I mean, we booked space. We sat down. We recorded for between 15 to 45 minutes. Happy days. But you guys were working your socks off start to finish. And looking through the content, it's just been amazing. I've <laughs> taken your yes, roundup video where it was, this is Dubai Watch Week for the first two, two and a half minutes. And then suddenly it's out in the desert with the fast cars and the tires coming off and all the craziness. And I sent that to people that were asking me, what was it like out there? And I said, well, the bit that I saw was the first two minutes. And then there was all this extra <laughs> stuff, but we had to come home. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, it was amazing. We, we went for two weeks because uh, I was in Dubai four times already. So ah. I had to meet a few friends, you know, and also got to, I wanted to do the activities basically, you know. So first week we, we came for the Dubai Watch Week. The, the second week I stayed with the team on my dime uh, to do the collector interviews um, plus of course if you're there let's shoot a vlog you know rent a car go to the zipline you know I think it's all, so cool yeah you, you gotta have fun man you gotta have fun definitely so next time I want to do more oh definitely uh, <laughs> when me and Dave are recording the show that just went out that was one of the things we said because we dropped in our final interview that we'd recorded there with Dave Thune and it felt like opening your last Christmas present and realising yeah. oh, I've got to wait until the next Christmas before we can do this again yeah. and it just got me super hyped up for things I know Watches and Wonders is just around the corner and if the world plays ball with the current situation it should fingers crossed go ahead so I was looking at how we're going to get there who we're going to speak to how long we need to book to be there and fingers crossed it does happen but no Dubai was just a hell of an experience and I've droned on about it so much I'm not going to bore the listeners anymore about it <laughs> But asking you some questions about, you've told us the highlights, the high points. What have been some of the things that you've had to sort of get over, the hurdles that maybe you decided to do something, it didn't quite work out the way you thought, and then you got over that and you somehow turned it into a win? Has there been any sort of stories there that you would put in your own book to teach people relevances? I mean, I am a super optimistic person, first of all. I was like my my childhood and my parents are the biggest support system I can have. So my mom is like, if I tell her I'm going to go, you know, learn how to fly, she'd be like, yeah, you can do it, you know. So Good. for me, I think like, like, like I said, I had to brainwash myself to be like stupidly optimistic, I sometimes say. And also I went to Switzerland with the mindset of on one side, I want to succeed and be in Switzerland. On the other side, I see black, I see nothing. So I, it was a do or die situation for me. Going back wasn't an option. I could I could have gone back, you know. Um, but being an entrepreneur and independent, there's a it's a daily mental um, ping pong. I would say a roller coaster. Like sometimes you wake up, you're super happy, you're good to go for the day. Ten o'clock, you're 
fucking depressed. Uh, 12 o'clock, you're at a high point again, you know? You have a good meeting, you know? It's, it's a lot. Yeah, I don't do drugs, I don't drink, I don't smoke. So it's, uh, my, my passion is food. So if I wouldn't do watches, I would do probably something with food. Um, I, lo- I love to eat, obviously. As you saw, I Dubai Watch Week. I'm not, a, I'm not a small fellow. Well, the food in Dubai, I think me and Dave both came back slightly larger and uh, worse yeah. for wear than when we left. But the quality <laughs> of the food was so good. What sort of takeaways would you want to give? We've turned this show from Tell Me About You Watches, your collection, to a bit more of Mindset Masterclass here. And I'm happy for it because when we do shows that are different from the norm, perhaps it's a collector, perhaps it's somebody that most recently we had on an esports comment who listens to the show our listeners really appreciate that instead of it's brand it's an interview it's news and releases so if you were doing a masterclass what would you say to somebody that wanted to get into watches just now and i'm thinking of our show notes guy mizzell who is 16 just about turned 17 and he is in steeped in horology loves it to pieces helps us out has done for over a year recently came on for our third birthday episode and absolutely blew the socks off me and dave and sarah about how much he knew about this industry he wants to move into it for other people that perhaps want to start their own youtube channel their own mm-hmm. instagram account their own blog what would you say would be the sort of takeaway thoughts that they could utilize to move forward with those so on a let's say if you want to be on, on the practical side i would definitely say that you if you want to become better and be accepted and grow your business or whatever or start the business you have to acquire skills right so if you want to be in the watch space or whatever you have to first figure out okay what topic do you want to cover or do you want to be the guy who makes facebook ads or you want to do photography so decide that and just choose the the path you want to go and ask people whose photography you like a how do you do this but that's why i say read all these books because they teach you how to ask because i get also often questions where the question is not the nicest way put so you have to before you ask a question and get some value back you should give value somehow Um, it's very vague maybe but it's really a a philosophy which i think uh, anybody can use for life so get more skills from you know marketing, uh, photography, um, ask people how they do it, give people value, comment on people's uh, videos, photos, maybe try to meet them in person, you know, ask them for advice because many of them will will help you. Um, and also decide, and also just start, you know, like my first photos were shit, like I did, they weren't good. And then I, okay, this is not working. What do I need to change? Plus many people, I think, make a mistake of, and that's, that's where the ego comes in place. Like if I give advice to somebody about, you know youtube or thumbnails or video tags or something they're like no i think this is good and i'm like mate it's it's not good like you know i think i would change this just try it and i think the 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 limit of let's say learning something new from somebody that's more successful than you is really something you should embrace you know like i would if i start a podcast i would sit down with you i would ask you beg you hey guys what do you think i need how did you start um i wouldn't ask somebody who doesn't have a podcast or somebody who i don't like and and that's it i mean i I learned everything myself so i think developing yourself is the most helpful thing you can do plus ask people go to watch fairs if you can if there's any go to your local store learn you know meet people that you want to be like 
like you say, you have, you have to surround yourself with people who you want to be in the future. If you're the smartest guy in the room, change the room. That's it. Yep. Oh, there's a good yeah. one. Also, a takeaway before we move on for, for people that are new or what or like a smaller channel, basically, don't be afraid to like collaborate. Like, you know, sleep with the enemy, basically, in a way, in business. Like, or how, how do you say it? Like, uh, have your enemies closer, like your friends. I love to collaborate. So I, I open all minute. the doors. Hold on a minute. You know, are you, are you uh, saying me and Dave are your enemies? Is that what we're doing here? Th that's oh, why we're here. Cats out of the bag. Cats out of the bag. How's it going, Ricky? We have a particular set of skills. We will yes. find you and we will kill you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm already there. Huh? <laughs> this, uh, uh, guys, you, you think I'm far away. I'm not. <laughs> you, you, think, you, think, you think that's an angle poised behind you? That's just Ricky yeah, standing like, I don't want to be still. here, guys. I don't want to be here. <laughs> well, I wonder no, why but... you're scribbling down all these podcast things. <laughs> but, then, but then do you not also agree, as you said you know that you you named like for example adrian you know bark and jack there you know yeah. who it, ultimately you know you can look you can look at him as a direct competitor somebody doing content on youtube about watches or you can view him as just another you know string to the bow of of that media that's out there that brings oh, people great. in and i think it's great the, yeah the beauty of this is i think you know, the vast majority of people that consume our podcast or your content will probably consume lots of the content out there. In fact, there's yeah. they want more. There's there's almost not enough sometimes for them. They're always after more different narratives, different viewpoints, funny, not funny, serious, technical. And I think that's the beauty of it. You should never assume anybody is your enemy or anyone is your mortal enemy. Yes, they're competitors, but competitors drive you to become better in yourself. Exactly. That That's why I wanted to add up. If there's no competition, and you can't get better that's it also also i always believe in the in the in the saying of there's enough money for everybody in the world as long as you do good work that's it like if adrian or teddy or jenny or whoever gets a a, a, a brand for a sponsorship it doesn't mean they won't work with me you know so it's always healthy to have people to inspire to beat you know for me it's like a game like currently in switzerland i have two competitors that's how i see them not competitors but just numbers wise right we are friends we know each other we, we talk to each other it's nothing uh, like a hostile like i make it seem here but for me as a businessman also a competitive person i like to see okay i'm now at position three i want to be position one that's it nothing to do with ego or whatever i just i want to climb that's it you know uh, i've been climbing since 10 years since i came to switzerland so i think it's a bit of nature in me as well like you guys probably you know dominating the watch podcast spaces is, is cool you know I, I think but also it's cool to have competitors because you're like oh what are they doing oh I like this bit okay let me improve yeah you always run a little bit quicker when you can hear somebody behind you oh yeah nice yeah yeah true, you know, true. in the relay race or whatever true. and it's very similar in the podcast sphere although podcasts are generally one hour we try to cap ours at the sort of 55 to 59 minutes that's something i picked up from one of bob caldini's books you know the whole something worth nine pounds 99 versus 10 quid oh nine is a lot cheaper therefore 59 minutes seems less than one hour and it seems to play in our favor uh, yep. is it different with podcasting because everybody has roughly about an hour hour and a half whereas youtube videos they tend to be around about that 10 minute mark so you can get through more of them yeah and there's less competition so when adrian drops a video i've got the time to watch I can watch your video. Paul Thorpe, he puts out too many videos to keep up with most of the time. And the <laughs> larger ones, like your timepiece gentleman and all the rest of it, I've stopped watching 
all that kind of stuff yeah, because again it became very much, circular yeah. and repetitive but your yeah. stuff's punchy it's it's upbeat you bring in like we did last year we brought in David Coulthard for an episode and <laughs> it was a huge gamble because we're a watch podcast and we'd never done it before one of our best episodes great response from everybody the crossover was great because cars and watches same thing mechanical engines on the wrist of course so when you had Supercar Blondie I was like there we go that's like you'll, you'll see is <laughs> that's a milestone where you've gone to next yes. level uh, and it's just about doing things like and as you say collaborating at the very beginning we collaborated with the likes of Dave here we did a two episode huge podcast series with him that we didn't realise was going to be so big but because he had such a great collection had been involved in the industry as well as a collector and an enthusiast it just kept going and going and going and from there he introduced us to these people those people came on board other people Barbara Palumbo has opened so many doors from we were in Dubai every five Mm -hmm. minutes she was dragging us away have you met this person have you met that person (laughs) this person runs a company this person designs watches got to meet Fiona Kruger in real life she actually grew up 10 miles from where I'm sitting just now Um, but it was through Barbara Plumbo that I got to meet her speak to her and we're going to be planning a podcast so it is about collaborating with people and helping them as well offering what you can to them so it's not just take 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 exactly you give 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 and get back that's it because if there's no competition or if there's not like associates or whatever we we can't grow we can't learn you know there's less uh, people talking about watches and that's it like for now, if more people would talk about independence like I do, I would love it because you you know how many times I was researching a brand and I can't find shit on the brand, you know? Like the, the most extreme was Har- Harbor Watch, like Harbor, you know, the the ship ship stuff. So literally no YouTube video on them, maybe three, three Google photos. And I'm like, God damn, you know, I would love to hear Tim also talk about it or whoever else, but just nothing, nothing, you know? Um, but I love it as well because people are like, oh, this exists, it's expensive. I didn't know it, thank you, Marco. Because that was my goal when I was learning about watches, you know? I, I started with Breguet, Vacheron, Urwerk, MBNF. That's the first brands I remember seeing, you know? And that's why the love for independence came because I'm like, I don't want to buy a watch because it's logical. I want to buy it because I love it, you know? That's why I have this whole thing rich here. It makes no sense for most people, but for me, it makes total sense. And I think actually that, that that kind of statement is the, you know, it's the most sensible thing that you could possibly say is, you know, watches don't make any sense anymore. You know, wearing a mechanical watch and the rest is the most anar- anar- anarchic out of date stupid thing you could possibly do in this age of technology and everything else so if you're going to do it you know why do not it right, yeah. why, why, do it right <laughs> do, do you know go go full silly go full this just makes no sense because what is it it is fun it's you know watches the minute you take the fun out of watches then why really honestly why are we doing it i don't wear a watch because i have to or because i need to watch to tell the time or anything like that i wear them because i like them and i love them and therefore make it silly and that's why i love wearing my chicken for no other reason than i wear it and it just it makes (laughs) me laugh and you you laugh i look at my wrist and i go well that's just stupid isn't it you know and people it's been people say to me but you know really like you can't just tell the time at a glance and you're like yeah, I can. It's called an iPhone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, exactly. It's, 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 it's really easy. Or, hey, Siri, what's the time? Boom. There we know. There we've got the time. You know, so yeah, I, I agree. But yeah, it's it's just, it's a good, fun hobby. And, you know, yes, it's serious, but there's too much seriousness sometimes about it. And people get too wound up and too uptight and serious about it for something that at the end of the day should be fun. It's good to mix it up, I think. Like I always say, if you buy a Rolex, you know, buy an independent as well next time or something like this. Uh, like I have a, a pretty balanced collection with brands. Um, and well, of you course, know what? 
let's not go into your collection because we're okay. at the hour mark and I just told you we cut things off at 59 minutes. So why don't we bring you back on in a few months' time and you can sure. sort of go through we'll your collection to. and you can talk about some independence. We can maybe schedule out a part of the show where you can go through some of these brands that just do not get the limelight. And we yep. might even bring Pietro or somebody else on along with it and make it an independent show. How's that sound? Perfect. We would love it. would love it. I have you know days to talk about independence. So <laughs> whenever you're ready. Excellent. Well, for the people that don't already know where to go, where should they find you on Instagram and YouTube? Just follow basically Swiss Watch Gang. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, I'm going to start as well a bit more. And that's it. That's my main uh, my main channels. Um, website's coming soon. But for now, I think the most value you will probably get on YouTube. But if you want to message me or talk, just Instagram is the quickest. Well, this went in a completely different direction from where I thought it was going to go. I didn't really know where it was going to go. I thought we were going to talk <laughs> more about Dubai and what we got up to over there. But no, it has. It's been a masterclass in many different areas, probably life, most importantly. And yeah, it's just been great. It's been such a quick hour. And those are my favourite yes. shows where there is... We never plan anything anyway, but I mean, really, we had no plan whatsoever on this one, eh, Dave? Well, I was going to say, absolutely. That's, you know, what, you know for any aspiring podcasters out there, that's one of our dirty little secrets, which is we plan to not plan. That's broadly how we do these <laughs> things, you know. Yes, we do a little bit of preparatory work sometimes, but broadly speaking, you know, when we bring someone on, we say, should we plan this? No, let's just see where it goes. Because if you do it that way, if you plan it, it will go where you want to plan it. If you don't, it will go in directions like this. It's the people and the stories. It's not the product. Something we talk about all the time. Brilliant. There we go. Thank you for listening, folks. We are out Mondays and Thursdays. You can get us on Instagram. We don't have as many followers, but we are trying. That algorithm is fighting against us day by day. But you can get us at Scottish Watches. We also have a website, scottishwatches.co.uk. And drop us an email. We read out emails sometimes on the show. Info at scottishwatches.co.uk. So thank you, Marco. Thank you, Dave. And we will catch you guys again soon. Take care. Thank you, guys. Take care.